This podcast is brought to you by Harry's. Please visit harrys.com and use promo code BALDMOVE, all caps, to get $5 off your first order. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're doing our uh, annual half-season wrap-up. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what we'll call it. The season 6A wrap-up. Uh, I don't know about you, but I did not particularly enjoy this half-season. Uh, no. I thought this was... It started off very, very promising. Yeah. And then it went quickly to the dogs and they're all self-inflicted gunshots <laughs> to like, the frogs really to, to mean, the frogs yeah the, they told it to the frogs and then fed it <laughs> to him i yeah i i don't understand it, it seems like all these a lot of these problems are i mean i mean i always say it's laziness that they just don't bother to connect dots or anything um i i don't i don't know because it's like it's not fair to say that uh that, that that Nicotero is not passionate about the subject. I would assume sure. that Kirkman isn't either. I don't know what Gimple feels one way or another, but I it's inexplicable how little care goes into the crafting of this show. And it's also yeah. really interesting. Like I listened to a lot of different podcasts last week mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. Usually I listen Specifically to like, Walking Dead podcasts. I listen, yeah, and I also listen to Nina's over at Project Fandom and our buddies uh, Chris and Jason over yeah, at yeah. Talking Dead. All Walking Dead. I listen Dead to like all of them except for I think maybe the Walker Star Quest. I don't even think they're doing it anymore. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't uh, know what's going on over there. But I didn't get. I didn't get a time, and it seemed like uh, you know there was criticism. Like if you if you know the tone of the podcast, there was critiques of the show and kind of a an on and like you know. Nina Perez is the one like a year ago. You guys are nitpicking and blah, and like Juwan, Juwan, who used to get on every every week on my thread and be like, "You guys are fucking haters and all this stuff." <laughs> They're all just pillaring this show. Yeah, the Glenn death and it's funny or lack thereof didn't really do them any favors. And I think it's like everybody gets to a certain breaking point. But yeah. like you know, even I was listening to Nina's like, "Whoa, you guys are being a little too harsh at places." Because <laughs> once you get to a threshold of disgust. That's when the real nitpicking starts because yeah, you just yeah. really want to tear it a new one to justify, especially when you know you're going to get a deluge of, you know, <laughs> uh, defense from the hardcore fans. And, you know, that that's what I try to avoid here. I don't yeah. want to pile on just for the sake of piling on. Uh, I like to try and point out the, the flaws for maybe uh, having people yeah. be a little more discerning about their television tastes. But that's the thing. Like I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm at my lowest point of the walking dead fandom since the season three finale. Yeah. Now, wow. Hmm. What brought me back from that was the fact that Mazera got ousted Gimple, who had written one of the most, one of the best re- recent episodes mm-hmm. that kind of like made me feel bad, gleefully celebrating a Lori, uh, <laughs> fiesta. Uh, uh-huh. And he was one of the the kind of the promising young writers was given the reins of the show. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll give this guy some time to kind of see what he can do. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, aside from, uh, you know, no, 
aside from my knowledge of what's going on, what's going to happen in the near future of The Walking Dead, unless they just completely abandon the comic timeline, and presumably some really awesome trailers are going to cut together and show us at the end of January. Oh, and Andrew Lincoln's already out there saying, yeah, it's it's bananas. The next half season is the best we've ever done, and it's the craziest, and I I, have a new weapon I'm using or some shit. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting excited for. It's the same. Yeah, they say it every time. I'm really excited that like arguably the best, like either the best or second best chapter of The Walking Dead history is coming up. Like, why? Every single big moment they've had from the comics, they have fucked up. In my opinion, yeah, no, fool, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me six times, shame on me. And it's right? like there's like, not a new showrunner, honestly. Uh-huh. And like you know, that's the other thing is like not only has the audience peaked, but it's receded. Oh, uh, fina- really? Season finale for um, season five was seventeen point two nine million viewers. Okay, this year it was fourteen point six three. Still mm. a massive show, but that's a huge fall off. Yeah. Uh, the the average like week to week is about unchanged. It might be a million or two, but I, I feel like it's definitely this show is no longer in growth mode. It's now kind of in shrinking mode, and I don't know what they're going to do to reverse that. But like, they have thirteen seasons left to do. Aaron, they have infinite seasons <laughs> left to do, and it doesn't always have to be like this monster. Like if it got the ten million, it'd still be something AMC is going to crank out. But sure. I mean, I I'm ready to end the Gimple experiment. Yeah, like, I I. You're right when I, when you say that they just don't put the effort. It, it doesn't seem like they put the effort. Maybe it's just a a fact that they're not quite as creative. But I've I've been reading a lot of interviews with Damon Lindelof after watching the leftovers, yeah. and he goes into well, he he mostly lays out the process that they use to write. He he likes to keep some of it a little mystical, uh, not give you all the details, but. In, he's constantly thinking, and, and the writers, I don't want to say that it's all him, but the, the writers they have are constantly thinking about, you know, here's the information that we want to give people. Uh-huh. What's the most interesting way to convey that? Yeah. And and that seems like something they might be doing here, but maybe they're just missing the mark of it. Because I feel like it's they're execu- trying... It's an execution problem? Maybe so, yeah. I feel like they're trying to do those things. Like, give Here's us the thing. information in an interesting like, way. Lindelof got a lot of shit for Lost, and, like, I don't sure. really want to debate, because every time you talk talk about Lost, you get the people like, nuh your individual experience of the show is invalid. It was actually really awesome and was fully satisfying. Okay, well, great. Your I'm glad, individual experience I'm, I'm is glad, invalid, and fuck I'm, yourself. <laughs> I'm glad you had that experience. It seems like the vast majority of fandom was disappointed and with the bait and switch that we got with the, with the Lost, and I'm not part of that fandom. I... Uh-huh. I felt like I saw what was happening early on in the run. I abandoned ship, and then I was glad that I did so. Yeah. Um, but if you read Lindelof, you can definitely see that he learned a lot from the experience. When I'm sure. reading interviews from Nicotero and yeah. Kirkman and Gimple, the hubris that I'm getting and there's this complete rewriting of reality, it reminds me a lot of the showrunner, I can't remember her name, that did The Killing, hmm. where she was trying to justify... like. It's not, oh, I hear this criticism and I and I don't think – I don't agree with it, but I understand where it's coming from. They just don't acknowledge it. Yeah. Like when they're asked like, oh, no, I think the fans loved what we did with Glenn and they thought it was exciting to yeah. television. And they – and, and I, you know, we, we've gotten lots of stories from people that were had an emotional experience. It's like, man, fuck you. 
That's yeah, not. Uh, that's, that's not. Cons- and I, you know, we're hanging out in the fan central parts. Like if you're if you're commenting to a podcast or you're on the the Walking Dead subreddit, mm-hmm. you are at the kind of nucleus of fandom, and there's a lot of various degrees of disappointment going on there. And there, I if you're not in touch with your own audience, I don't I don't know what kind of self improvement mechanism is going to bring about a better show. And I don't need this yeah. to be the leftovers, Jesus Christ or Fargo. Well, some a little a little bit of self awareness, right? Yes. Like like you're saying, they just don't either they don't have the self awareness or they're refusing to acknowledge it. Uh and they do they, they realize that they're they're fucking up and they refuse to acknowledge it. Honestly, I think either that, way it's it's bad news. Like that's the thing about Lindelof. He seems to be very self aware uh-huh. when he's when he's writing and when he's also responding to criticism and thinking ahead of time, how will people criticize this? Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that any of that is happening here. Well, it's weird because, like, I'm trying to think, like, you know, what goes wrong. Because a lot of this stuff happened more or less exactly how it goes in the comic book. And the comic book gets away with stuff like you'll see Rick and Michonne having a conversation. And then they'll have a single pane of someone's reaction that overheard from the shadows. And they just have kind Mm -hmm. of, like, an angry expression on their face. And as a comic book reader... You're like, oh, shit, you know, Spencer saw that and, like, to borrow a phrase from the Telltale games and we'll remember it. And you can kind of pile on a lot of meaning and kind of stuff, whereas here they do this monologue and speechifying and I, I, it, it doesn't seem like the adaptation is is working. Yeah, I... Because the, I think the fatal flaw in this episode... It has its the moments. The fatal flaw but... in this season was that the Alexandrians were useless baby people. And there was no that no one gave like uh you know no one gave serious consideration to Morgan's philosophy, no one gave serious consideration to the wolf's philosophy, and no one really thought through some of the implications of Rick protecting these people and and maybe you know like these people are kind of unlovable, and I kind of like felt nothing when they were dying mm-hmm. You know, like sure. literally when, when they were the first three episodes, when a lot of the Alexandrians are dying, I've never seen these people before. Yeah. What is that supposed to mean? Nothing. I mean, it's supposed to be, you know, the part of the action like, show that is I'm the naturally on team Rick because he's the protagonist. That's why I agree with him. When he's espousing a worldview that I kind of more or less agree with and seems like it's the kind of tough thing you have to do in a zo- pragmatic thing you have to do in a zombie apocalypse. But the show itself is saying... No, no. What you really need to do is take care of these people that can't take care of themselves. I, I don't know. With a guy who's got children. <laughs> well, I, I feel like it's also a symptom of what this show is and needs to be. Right? There's a lot of expectation going into a show like The Walking Dead, where we want to see a lot of zombies and we want to see a lot of people dying. And if you don't have people like the Alexandrians to kill off every week, what are you going to do? You can't you can't kill main characters that fast, or you'll be out of main characters. But I don't need to see. No, I mean, I guess I don't watch the show. And then the other thing that worries me is that. But it's when a I zombie hear... show. At its heart, like you have those pieces that have to be put in place, and if yes. they're not, zombie fans are going to complain, right? I get it, and that's where I guess I'm really afraid because it's not just you and I that are bitching about this. It's also the Bill Simmons of the world, who I would call the anti-bald move. Not okay. that he can't okay. appreciate good television, because he does. Sure, sure. But he was engaging in Walking Dead. Like, I don't give a shit about any of these characters. I like seeing girls in tight pants run sure. around and killing zombies, <laughs> and sometimes they get killed, and it's like, I have a good laugh. And somehow they're making the show that's not really satisfying to anyone but 
hardcore fans of The Walking Dead. Yeah. Which is, what does that even, like, The Walking Dead... It's what almost the promise show? of The Walking Dead, right? Yeah. Like, this is what we said we wanted to make at the beginning, and now people are... Like, the people who still buy into that and hope it can be that are still around, like us. Yeah. Uh, but the the people who are the fans of what it's become are more like... I mean, I don't, I don't want to use this necessarily as a slur, but like CW fans, right? Like people who don't have as much experience with television and aren't as invested, yeah, and are just there for fun, and and maybe that's okay, but that's not what we do here, I guess. No, that's uh, not what we're in it for. You know, it's weird because I, I will say that, you know, people are like, well, why don't you just stop covering it? And honestly, the big reason is like. Weirdly, The Walking Dead makes up a disproportionate part of the bald move culture. Like when I think of memorable, from my own standpoint, memorable points and podcasts and phrases (laughs) and gags and goofs. Like uh, the Mad Men is similarly like that's another disproportionate part of bald move culture. But like a lot of the bald move culture and the stuff we yuck at and our inside jokes and stuff spawn from the, The Walking Dead and I'm finding it less and less fun. And that's why I've always defended, like, you know, why do you guys cover this when you don't, you gave up on Americans, but you're still doing The Walking Dead. It's like, well, I have fun covering The Walking Dead. The Americans made me hate myself. So that's, that's, I feel like that's part of who we are. Cause like, I remember growing up, you know, it's like, we're going to go to these movies. And if they're great, we talk about how great they are. Yeah. And we love them and we have fun. And if they're bad, we rip them to pieces, and well, we have fun with we that, love. right? Like, like even the like Star Wars. Uh, I remember someone on our first Star Wars laughing because like we're massive fans, and yet fifty percent of the podcast were all of the illogical, stupid things about Star yeah. Wars that we've accumulated over thirty years of watching it. Exactly, that's something that's in our DNA. We like to rip on the stuff we love. We like to rip on the stuff we hate. A good times had by all, but you know what you can't be is lukewarm. Yeah, you can't be average, and and because you're good enough that like then you're a Jason Statham movie, and no one <laughs> wants to watch it. Yeah, yeah, you're Transporter Three, exactly. Like I, I just feel like this show caters to a different side of us, and and there's a reason why we're still covering it, not because it's great, but right. because it's fun for us. And you know, I I don't necessarily think we should stop doing it if the show is bad. We well, should, we should we have tailored know. our coverage to the show being. Because that's the thing. It's like you know, when we'd stop covering Walking Dead. Well, when is it going to be airing? What else is going on? Exactly. Yeah. You know, how much do I actually hate covering it? Because that's the thing. Uh, yeah. At the end of season three, I was pretty convinced we wouldn't cover season four. But then we saw some trailers and we sure. started thinking yeah. about well, if they actually get away from the prison and like you know, we've always said they need to get on the road. Okay, let's we're we're back in and invested. That's where I'm at right now. Like, I, you know, I'm cer- certainly going to see the second half of season six through, and I kind of yeah, know yeah. what's coming. And I would be shocked if the end of season six just isn't a ball of fire. Mm-hmm. And but you know, The Walking Dead needs to be more than two or three good episodes out of eight. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, you can't just be boring, and you can't be this bullshit very shallow psychological analysis that we've already done and repetitious. I mean, this yes. show is repetitive as fuck, right? Like I, I long for a love triangle at this point. Sure. Just Anything to, mix to it break up. the tedium of, you don't know what this world, this world requires this to know. You can't be <laughs> like this. And do I belong here? And I, all that shit needs to go, man. It's the new Rick, Shane and Lori. 
Yeah, it's old hat. We've we've like had the prize this you're fighting before. for is not worth it. <laughs> well, you might get your wish. I mean, Sasha and Abraham are going to come back, and Rosita's going to lose her mind. Probably, uh, she's going to end up. Do with you think so? You think Denise, Rosita loses I don't, her mind? <laughs> no, I mean she's she's not going to lose her mind, but she's going to be disappointed. Hmm. She's saying like, "Oh yeah, me and Abraham could work out." Well, eh, well, he just professed his love for someone else, so. So other, so other than pitching and being disappointed, what are, we, what are we doing on this wrap-up podcast? I assume we have fan com- commentary. Oh, yeah. We have is a there, lot of feedback. Is, is there things? I've got some. I mean, the thing is, this is the real challenge I'm having, y'all, is there is good reason to be excited about the future of The Walking Dead based on the core comic material. Okay. However, <laughs> every piece of brilliant thing that they've done in the comics, I think they fucked up in the show hmm. to either large or small degree – and I'm having a very hard time getting excited for, like, what's to come. Like, yes, there's a lot of exciting yeah. casting news. And, yes, the storyline that they're doing is going to be super interesting. But, you know, I feel like they nailed the the casting of uh, uh, Abraham and Rosita and Eugene. And that shit has kind of been, like, every time they do a deep dive on Abraham... <sighs> Every time, like, Eugene just won't change. He won't grow as a character. Sure. He has defining moments where, okay, he is now going to pivot to something different than what he is, and they keep having him limp-wrist the machete and fuck up, and that's getting old. Like, that's not character growth. That's that's running home to who the character was when we first met him. Sure. So I I don't know what to get. Yeah, I got plenty of stuff to say in the spoilers, but... It's not with conviction or excitement. It's more with dread. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we have been conditioned to think that they're not going to follow any of those comic book cues, right? And and if you like those comic book cues and you really want to see that on the screen, I think you're going to be disappointed when they change it up on you inevitably. Yeah, and it's weird because, like, you know, the for my money, the best part of the comics, the one that was the most emotionally involving was little boy Carl being left alone with his dad who he thought was dying and might turn into a zombie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they delivered on that material. The f- The problem is by fucking around into prison and the farm for as long as they did, Chandler Riggs was now too old to carry that material and give it the weight yeah. that it needed. Mm-hmm. Like a 14-year-old boy in that situation is much emotionally different than a 9-year-old boy. Yeah. So like that, that's the one thing where I felt like they did it exactly right, and the writing was there. It's just through nobody's fault, they just missed the timing because of other poor decisions they made. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God, I, I, and you know, that's multiple showrunners in. Like, you can't, how are you going to fault Gimple for that, right? Like, well, they fucked around in the prison and they fucked around on the farm. What am I going to do with Carl? Now that yeah. I've got to tell this story. Well, you know, like I said, I think that the first two episodes worked well. In hindsight, yeah. I think the first episode worked well because of the disjointed storytelling made the main plot kind of obfuscated to where you, by the time you got in and started questioning what the fuck is going on, the awesomeness of it and the urgency of it kind of carried the day. Yeah. I think, dude, if I was to give Gimple advice, I'd be like, stop with the fucking special effects from a story standpoint stop special stop effects. trying to go with all these flourishes and all these disjointed single pov oh episodes. fucking with the timeline you put and that yeah, shit yeah. back on the top shelf mm-hmm. and you just tell a goddamn story that is consistent from end to end and string together eight good episodes 
And then maybe you get those tools back off the shelf because they're just like sometimes they connect, but most it's swing and a miss. And it's I lay it a lot at his feet at he sees other shows and he gets excited to see what other shows are doing where they do these single focus things and they do this playing around with time Mm -hmm. and it's really compelling, but they don't know how to do it well enough. Because the other way is like, you know, I've kind of been defeatist and say, well, they're doing the show they want to do. And they don't give a shit what I think, and this is as good as it's going to be. At some point, you know, if I really believe that, then, you know, it's kind of like uh, if I have the courage of my convictions and I'd be like, fuck this show, I'm out. So, but if I was to give Gimple advice, it'd be like, you really, really, really need to step back, stop trying to do all this, this crazy gonzo stuff, and just tell a goddamn story. Yeah. I mean, he's not, certainly not helped by the fact playing devil's advocate here that he has this massive cast right i mean that doesn't that doesn't do you any favors when you're trying to tell this condensed small story like that's the thing that like the leftovers has that the show doesn't have is a very small cast of characters right six eight people max this has 20 plus people and and more than eight like maybe 12 that we are supposed to care about in this yeah. core group. Yeah. So it's tough. And I mean, Game of Thrones, you know, is a good example for this, but, and we've talked about that at length. I won't go into it, but it, it seems like he does have some obstacles when it comes to how you structure a season that maybe some other shows don't. Well, plus the budget, I feel like that uh, it seems like this, the budget is weirdly strangled. So the other advice I'd give to AMC execs is unless you want to see this wither away and die, you got to give them the budget to get to, to give uh, as decent action on a every other episode basis at least. You can't have a extravaganza where you spend ninety percent of the budget in the first two episodes and then we're doing bottle episodes. But I feel like you do need those extravaganzas too, right? I'm yes. Like you have to fund those extravaganzas. Like the but way you The Walking Dead can survive and thrive is to be season three of Game of Thrones or season four of Game of Thrones. Every fucking episode feels. Every other episode feels like a finale. Yeah. And the urgency and the oh my god and and Walking Dead has the storyline to do that. You just can't be afraid to burn through it and to spend the money to do it right. You've got the money. Yeah, I think that's the biggest complaint I have is that they're just taking their time. They're dilly-dallying. They're lollygagging. They're doing nothing with a story that we know extends I'm trying to think like far what, beyond where they what are. If, what if the Double Ds had done at the Game of Thrones? Like, well, you know, George's only got the five books. We're still waiting on these two. Like, we need to pump yeah. the brakes. Let's come for up for a season and a half. Let's come up with Two a season seasons. and a half of bullshit that we can intersperse here and really. But they just fearlessly charge forward. Yeah, and maybe Kirkman's got more creative control, and he's because I feel like we have not gained on the comics one bit. No, and the comic release is glacial. Like, I mean, it might be a symptom of how they think about it as a twenty-year show. That's crazy to me. Well, then they need to catch up with the comics and then ex- ex- exceed it because. Having to wait on the big beats of the comics is not doing the show any favors. Yeah, and now they're doing Fear the Walking Dead, which is t- totally original material, which is a nightmare and a train wreck. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hesitance of just getting through the good stuff and telling it a very convincing, rapid fire, fast paced story. Like they need to do that. They need to do that. Yeah, I mean, Fear has its own problems that are not like the pacing of it necessarily. Right. Like it kind of scooted through a lot of the stuff we wanted to see. <laughs> Well, but there again, uh, fairly that had quickly, be, that but had to be budget. Maybe so. It's yeah, expensive um, to show the fall of a major U.S. city. It is hugely. So expensive. let's just flash forward to the most interesting parts and slow yeah. down and tell the character story. But you're bad at that. 
Yeah, but I mean, and maybe that's the problem here. You know, they don't want to they want to spend on like if they blew through a farm and, you know, and it's a like, prison yeah, I can in see, one season. There's probably people like, oh, well, you're you know, it's like what you got to pick one. Do you want a thoughtful show or something? I yeah, I want I want the season one Darabont show mm-hmm. that I'm never going to get, but I would be happy with a pulse pounding, you know, action oriented drama like a 24 or a Banshee or any of those things uh, uh, other than what we're getting, which is a half-assed attempt to use character development as a way to not do action, but really do terrible character development. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, I don't know how much more we want to say about this. It's I don't want to say any kind of gilding the lily at this point. Yep. So, so before we get into feedback, we've got a sponsor to talk about. It's a sponsor you're probably familiar with. If you've heard this podcast before, it's Harry's the ironically named Harry's. (laughs) because <laughs> they're dedicated but, uh, to eradicating well, mm. male facial hair they are they are but also it's not spelled h-a-i it's, it's harry's like the man named harry it's a homophone uh so so is that what it's called i think i'm making maybe i'm making that up i think that homo same sounding homophone. yeah it's like christmas and xmas right they're they're this basically the same thing but they're spelled <laughs> differently okay uh <laughs> so speaking of christmas now is a, a perfect time to go shopping at Harry's because you've got a lot of people in your life, I'm sure, yeah. that are male, right? They yeah. grow hair across their horrible faces. Sure. Uh, they got to get rid of that somehow. Yep. Harry's is there to help. Uh, and they've actually got a special holiday kit right now that they're selling, the Winter Winston set, I believe it is. Uh, and it's they're they're promoting it right now and giving you a discount if you use our code. You go to harrys.com. Use the code BALDMOVE, all caps, and they'll give you five bucks off that set, which is a good deal, especially since you're shopping for people who need this stuff. It's a safe bet. Like, ask yourself, is is the person I'm giving a gift to a man, Mm -hmm. uh, is that person have Harry, has a a traditionally clean-shaven appearance? Are they named Harry? If you get to all three, then you 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 got you have to. It's it's bald move law. Yeah. That's rule bald move rule number four. If a person <laughs> a clean shaven male in your life is named Harry, you need to get him a Harry's package. What are we even talking about? Sure, I mean especially if they're a hipster, because the 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 irony is not lost on them. Certainly. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, you you know it's it's an easy gift too, right? It's like you know that's one of the biggest problems, the biggest hassles in the Christmas season is shopping for people. Yeah. And this makes it very, very easy. You can go online. You can do all your shopping there. Uh, don't even have to leave the comfort of your own couch. And you know you're getting something that's quality. Would you quality. say this is a premium product? Jim? Definitely, yeah. I've tried other places, and this is definitely more premium than those by far. Yeah, and if you this compare is, them to like where you're going to get at a department store, like you're yes. getting twice the quality for half as much? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Pretty you can go deal. online, and you can check out the prices of sure. razors at retail. Yep. They are not nearly as good as Harry's, I can tell you that. Uh, so yeah, go go check that out. Go to harrys.com. Um, use the promo code BALDMOVE, all caps, one word, and you get five bucks off your purchase, regardless of what it is. But check out that, that holiday gift set, because that's really the killer deal right now. Tis the season to shave your face. Uh, we do have a lot of feedback. Let's get to it. We're not doing any death predictions, because it's mid-season, right? I, I so that marker needs to go where feedback is going to start. Well, I, also I think we, we forgot we there. also forgot to insert club bald move. 
Maybe we need to do that at the beginning. 25 Days of Christmas yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, we could do that as a as a pre-roll. You know, uh, like, do the, do the do Harry's pre-roll the and then hit the... I don't know, because I jumped right into, mm-hmm. like, what what do you think about the season, that sort of stuff. All right, we'll we'll do something. We'll we'll, we'll let's okay. just go ahead and do the feedback. Cool. So we're starting off with Eric Y. Because uh, why? Because we love you. Because why not? That's what I say. He he says there are a number of unfinished threads in this season, which are both providing story arc options in the future, which might be really exciting, and or will just be somehow dropped or ignored when things start up again after the break. And I think he's he's right about that. We're gonna go through a few of them here. Okay. Uh, first of all. How did Rick escape the surrounded RV after killing off the wolf pack? I don't think I care. I don't And care. I don't think the show is going to care, and that's fine with me. Uh, yeah. Uh, at the time, I was like, you know, I kind of would have liked to see that, but at this point, there's no going back to it. No, and I... Yeah, it would be useless to I wouldn't even like... I was on board with, like, no, no. I saw the RV. It was half covered by walkers. There's a clear method of egress. Yeah, go out the Rick just had side. a sprint. We mm-hmm. saw him sprint to the gates. Done. Sure. Done. Like that would be going back and answering that story would be indulging in the worst of the Walking Dead's tendencies, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, number two, the now dead wolf who stole the gun during the raid, who recognized Morgan, was their only encounter with Morgan, the one campfire scene back in season five. Again, I don't think they need to go back to this. Uh, and I don't think they will. I think they've told all the story they want to tell with Morgan's road trip. Yeah. I don't think we'll see any more of more flashback of Morgan. No. I mean, I don't know. Like, if they come up with an interesting hook that they need to flash back to Morgan's wandering period to flesh out, I'm fine with that. I like Morgan as a character. Everything uh, we know about less Morgan now though, has been than explained. I did at the beginning of the season, but the, it's it's got to be something that from the new material that makes it worthwhile and will put it in context and be enjoyable. At, at like, yeah, what do we need to go back to his wandering age to, to discover at this? Well, point? at this point, it would feel a little like retconning to me, right? Because you have this whole clear thing. And then you, he comes back and he shows up and he's he's okay now, or more okay than he was certainly. He's not clearing anymore, and and you wonder why, right? So like if they go and they say, oh, something else happened to Morgan on his journey, yeah, it'd feel a little like retconning his journey to me, because um, because as far as we know, he's clearing for the vast majority of it. He's clearing. He runs into. He's milking the goat. And then he's an Aikido pacifist master. Exactly. So what else would you introduce that would change that character arc? I don't think you need to introduce anything. All right. Uh, number three, I'm up in Canada, and I've never heard of... Muppet Canada? I'm up oh, okay. in Canada, and never heard of the Negan intro happening in the next show. He, she, he's talking about uh, you know, that little bit that was in oh, Into, the, into Bad the Badlands after the fact. Um, he says, I think this is Ball's... And a crappy way to hook viewers. Will that make it into season six whenever it's posted on Netflix? That's an interesting question, right? Like, is that part of the show? Or is that not part of the show? It's got like no, Fear I, the Walking Dead isn't gonna have those plain sure. mini no, no, no. mini sodes, right? It's not like that. That is a the way they the way they packaged it is it's a preview of next season. So I I fully expect that to be in the you essentially spoiled yourself for two or three minutes of the first episode. Okay. Probably the first 15 minutes of the first episode. All right. Maybe so. Uh, only time will tell. But yeah. No, if you just no, never see that scene again, like it's a pivotal scene. You have to introduce it. So yeah, it's, of course it's going to be in the show. If not, then I think it's 
high time for you Canadians to 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 take over America. Okay. How long are you going to allow <laughs> this tyranny to your south? You're just going to let them dictate the terms of The Walking Dead to you? Mm, that's a good point. I mean, come in there and liberate us. Yeah. If for no other reason than to just salvage The Walking Dead. Yes. yes. Uh, anyway, it says, I really hope the next season it's is half better. Reason. Or, I really hope the next season is half better. No, I really hope the next half season is better. If it was half better, I'd be out. Uh, Ike from London. In your last podcast, I heard you say that about 97% of the human population is dead. Is that canon or is that just your guesstimation? I thought I saw something about 98% of the world being dead in The Walking Dead universe. Yeah, but you might be confusing it with leftovers, where ninety eight percent of the population is left. Mm. I, I'm not sure. I I don't think that's canon. I've never, I can't recall ever hearing that as a fact. Uh, I think it's just a guess, based on you know the number of walkers we see and the number of people. Okay, I'm gonna do some quick uh, background research while you, while you go on. Okay. Uh, he also asks how long Rick has been in his, or how long it's been since Rick woke up from his coma. You know. I don't really know. Uh, it's been a couple to a few years, at least. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a problem that I don't know, but not a huge one. I don't. I, I, I feel like it's a lot like the the Game of Thrones, where when you start to think about the timeline, it gets fuzzy. But you know enough to follow the plot. Like, they've had at least two winters. Yeah. And what else do you need to know? Uh, he goes on, and the fact that the walkers can climb stairs to get to the entrance of the townhouses, doesn't that mean they are more than mindless flesh eaters? You know, that was the original idea for this show. So, like, they talked about, oh, we've got this Bible for the walkers, and they seem to have thrown that out the window. Um, now they just have convenient. them, yeah, they have them do the things they need for them to do in the whatever scene they're shooting. Because uh, if you go back to the beginning, walkers climb fences, walkers use tools, to break glass, like walkers do a lot of things that you would associate with some kind of intelligence, right? Which and they pl- they flirted that's, that's with that straight out of Romero. That's, that's they've they flirted with some of that with uh, you know uh, Morgan's wife, and they did. I know Poindexter did some yeah. experiments in Alexandria, and like I fully buy that a fresh zombie has what I call these echoes of life. That yeah. it's, it's instinctual behavior that's imprinted, and as they decay, they lose more of that and become, you know, mo- mo- so that's kind of like what I say in my head canon. But you're right. They had a Bible that mm-hmm. was supposed to get keep them from doing what they've done, which is to be all over the map as far as yeah. whatever, you know, zombies behave, however they need to behave at any given point of time. And they've gone away from that because shitty story writers don't want to have limitations on what stories they can tell. Yeah, when in fact, I think a lot of times limitations Our, make a story as good as it is. The mo- you, know, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Like, yeah. How many times have I listened to the Insider Breaking Bad podcast exactly. where Vince Gilligan says, because our philosophy was to paint ourselves in the corners at every opportunity, we came up with gonzo crazy stuff that was compelling and interesting, and we didn't stop until we had that. Yeah. That is vastly different from... I, you know, I've never heard of stories from The Walking Dead story. Uh, I, I've heard... Incredible stories from the set of The Walking Dead and how much the actors love each other. And yeah. I believe that. It seems genuine. Mm-hmm. I have not heard a single story out of the wa- the writer's room. Being like, oh, we had this major Other problem than to the solve. One, and the here's one writer I interviewed who I asked him a fairly softball question about its relationship with minorities. Despite him being a minority himself, his response was, oh, I've never really thought of that. So, huh. And you got, you know, I also know that 
a lot of these guys' previous writing experience is Timon and Pumbaa and the Power Rangers or none at all. <laughs> sure. So what the yeah. fuck do they know about the culture of a writing room that would be informative or exciting or yeah, interesting? Yeah. What the fuck do we know? <laughs> That'd be their response. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I yeah. know I've heard Matthew Weiner talk about his writing team and the struggles yeah, yeah. that they've had. I've heard Damon. I mean, I don't know nothing. I've been doing this for four years and I've been reading these articles obsessively. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I, I have zero insight into what goes on in the Walking Dead writing room. The stuff I do here is that's unsettling. Yeah, it's a bad sign. It's unsettling and completely out of touch with what I'm seeing as a viewer. All right, let's move on to Jennifer F. Since I heard this mentioned on another podcast, but I thought the Bald Move crew would appreciate it. I stopped watching the mid-season, the show mid-season, but I continue to listen to your podcast because it's still entertaining and laugh out loud funny at times. So I haven't verified this with my own eyes, but it was pointed out on another podcast that Alpha Wolf says consistently that he will kill Morgan, Carol, and the Alexandrians if he's freed at the first opportunity. But what does he do once he has a knife, two guns, and Eugene's machete? He walks out, killing no one. Is that is that crazy to you? That this guy who wants everyone to die and has the opportunity right here to just put bullets in all of them doesn't You're take right. it? You're right. I understand why he would take a hostage, but why does he not? Yeah. I mean, Tara, Eugene, and Rosita are there for the plucking, and nothing I mean, are they really going to rehabilitate this guy? God, no. God, no. So I mean, they've tried for half a season now. That seems kind of dumb. Yeah. That seems like a, uh, a, you wouldn't call it a plot hole, you call it a character hole, I guess. Well, it seems like they want to set up, you know, Eugene, Tara, and Rosita to be like, how are we going to get Denise back? We need her. Like, But that's, that's again, that is blatant yeah. writer manipulation. Sure. Because you, you get the wolf, we've seen how the wolves behave, yeah, Jesus Christ. That's the thing, like, I, I said that many times last podcast, I feel like I'm off my bitching game. Because there's so many problems now. It was a lot more fun when 90% of the episode was good. It's just like they had Glenn fucking around in a well. Mm -hmm. Or Lori betraying Rick or Shane for the 13th time. That, and, you know, I can miss those days, man. A lot more fun to cover. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Bill from Houston says, I would like your thoughts on why the first part of this season derailed so much. Uh, despite the criticisms that the criticisms that nothing really happened in the, a few episodes, I think the producers still managed to make a show, uh, make the show collapse under too many plot developments in previous seasons or half seasons. The driving force behind the plot would be just a couple events. For example, Carl getting shot and having to find Sophia or a flu outbreak in the return of the governor, etc. But this half season has had way too many events occur in the span of 48 to 72 hours, no less. That just took me out of the show as being a farce. Here's a list. Spencer leaves the gate open and lets a few walkers in. Pete accidentally kills Reg, which leads to Rick killing Pete and the whole Ron Carl plot line. Uh, the truck in the quarry falls, leaving the walkers a means to get out. The wolves attack Alexandria. Negan's group shows up nearby. A church that's been standing for years finally falls and collapses on the wall. These are all events that are completely independent of each other. No matter how well they could handle each, the others would be happening anyway. Leaving the group in Alexandria with such bad luck that I'm expecting wacky, wacky sacks to be playing on the soundtrack any minute. Is this too much? Seems surprising to ask in a half season with at least three episodes where nothing really happened. So he's saying they're trying to do too much with these eight episodes that we got and considering that three episodes were not even concerned with necessarily the main plot. Huh. Well, it's hard to say that this is a boring season and simultaneously say that they were trying to do too much. 
when but there the, was so much the case he too. lays out is fairly strong right i mean there is a lot of stuff that happens kind of independent of of the other things i all that sounds like a lot of events but you got eight episodes man like mm. think of how much shit goes on in breaking bad in a yeah, season. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Like, that's 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 what you do. You throw conflict at your characters, and honestly, if this was well-constructed, you would be feeling that dread of, like, uh, Rick thinks he's fucked because of this herd, but we also know that this threat's coming, and this other threat is coming, and you would, and it yeah. would, it would feel like an assault, and, and, like, you know, the idea that Alexandria has been living in peace, relative peace this whole time, I don't know. I, uh, I'm i try- trying to remember how they did in the comic book, but that feels kind of unbelievable. And maybe that's a problem. Like, you, you, you're postulating these 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 baby people have survived throwing their cocktail parties and their extravagant cold-rolled steel raising parties and, and been so out of touch and complaining about eating their baby carrots and shit and... and but now all the shit has hit the fan. Like I, I don't know. No, I don't think that's too much. I think that's about mm-hmm. okay. Um, and 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 honestly, they probably needed two or three more big events in an eight episode season. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it's not too much. Maybe it is a problem of how they staged it all because, like, what you said about the wolves kind of makes a lot of sense to me. Which is, we didn't feel any dread with the wolves, right? We kind of like. We did as comic book readers, like we knew, oh, the wolves are coming, right? The wolves are going to show up any moment, but you can't rely on that in a show of 17 million people watching. They hinted at it, you know, there's all that stuff with the trucking facility and Morgan's run in with them and all that, but there wasn't... But it never said they're they're an imminent threat to this town. Uh, The only thing that was an imminent threat, and only this season, was this big stack of walkers in yeah, the quarry. that we just discovered. Now, if we had seen, oh, God, there's a there's a walker quarry ready to happen, and we know the wolves are on a mission to take down Alexandria, maybe that would have been a little more pressing and a little more interesting. Well, the other thing is, if in, instead of breaking away for these goddamn single point of view focused episodes, if it just was, you can also, like, you don't have to see these coming if it's just one damn thing after another, that's also exciting narrative hook. Yeah, I just but feel like we, they need. We got through to, forty-eight to hours in. of show history in eight episodes. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. That's honestly. the thing. Like it's it's a compressed time frame, but not a lot is like. It does seem absurd that all this stuff is happening in a forty-eight hour span. I don't know that that's true. I'm pretty sure it's true. I thought we had last episode or the episode before somebody lay it out as like two weeks. I'm not saying from the time Reg died. I don't give a shit. That happened Mm -hmm. at the end of last season. This is a new season. I'm talking from the time the walkers bust out of that quarry. I don't know that it's two days, but I'm pretty sure it's two days. Maximum three is what we've been dealing with in Showtime from from those times. And I and and to me, that is there is your absurdity right there. The fact is all this happening in two days. Okay. That might be a little stretch, but that I again they they made that bed and laid down in it. And every yeah, time you got a little bit ahead of steam going, they'd break and tell you Morgan's story. And then every time you got a little bit ahead of steam about that, they'd break and tell you Abraham proposing to Sasha mm-hmm. and Daryl laying next to a biker corpse in the burnt out woods that no one gives a shit about. Like it's it's a problem. Yeah, that's the thing I felt like Breaking Bad did so well, is it gave you flashes of people's history. But it also gave you a current timeline reason to care. Yes. Like it would say, this is who Walt was before. Yes. And this is how it plays into why he's doing the things he's doing now. Yes. Or this is 
what Hank and Marie's relationship was, and here's how it's affecting things now. Yeah. Like, that all, like, tying the flashbacks into, in the same episode, in a cohesive package, it makes it feel more but earned so and more small. warranted like than have... Morgan doing his thing, and then two episodes later coming in and saying, this is why I am who I am. Well, we know that now. You get 30 seconds of Jesse looking at lipstick on a used-up cigarette in his ashtray, mm-hmm. and then two episodes later you get a three-minute cold open that explained how that lipstick got there and why Jesse was feeling the... You know, the, and, like, the story didn't depend on those things. Those were the extras. Whereas, like, uh, in the middle of this in the middle of this caper, let's sit down and do a Eric... Or let's do a Jesse and... Uh, uh, his what was his girlfriend Jane? Let's do a Jesse and Jane flashback episode for an hour. Yeah, in the middle of season three, like right between f- half it, measure and full measure. Why the fuck not? Right, that it just... always felt like they did those in the lulls. Right, yeah, like a, yes. an episode like Fly came that's, about naturally. That's and... what I said at the time of the Morgan thing. There is a natural ebb and flow to storytelling. Yeah, and that's what I guess Gimple doesn't understand. Then that's why yeah. I'm saying put those adult tool shelves back on the top shelf. And don't you know? Don't don't use them again until you grow up and understand. <laughs> sure, sure. Like Vince Gilligan cut his teeth on Monster of the Week episodes for X Files. Yeah, he did some schlocky bullshit too. But I'm saying yeah. like that. Yeah, this is you know. Uh, uh. <laughs> All right, moving on. Sarah W says I was listening to your mid season finale podcast and uh, wait. Okay. Yeah. And during episode two, uh, I was with Jim of the belief that Enid was a wolf. During this last podcast, Jim said that he no longer thought Enid was a wolf, and I started to have my own doubts about that during the front half of the season. But while listening to last week's podcast, you guys kept drawing parallels to Enid's The World Wants to Die soliloquy and the wolf's very similar rant to Denise. Now I find myself again thinking that Enid uh, Enid is uh, at least had some interaction with the wolves before she came to Alexandria. I guess I just find it strange that while you guys were saying Enid and the wolf had similarities, Jim made it know that he no longer thinks Enid is a wolf. Seems to me there might be still the possibility, though it may be small. Uh, what do you think? I d- no, I know. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not uh, we know what you think. We know. We know. <laughs> All right, you guys have a conversation. <laughs> There's no reason. Let me know when you want me to chime There's in. There's no reason to doubt what you think about it. Uh, yeah, no, I I mean, it's it's like a a series of events that like don't play out how I expected them to at all. And like, I don't, the the longer it goes without Enid being proven a wolf, the less likely it is, I guess. Plus you've got, there's, you have people responding to identical trauma, having a similar worldview, but then espousing that or the way that they live their lives based on that is completely radically different. And that happens in the real world all the time. Yeah. I don't have a problem. You have an immigration crisis. You have the exact same stimulus, the exact same people seeing the exact same problems, and one person wants to shut down the borders and not allow any immigrants, and the other person wants to do more of immigration and help them more and integrate them more because that's like it's that's the flip side. Like Enid is having this trauma experience and she wants to get away so she, and and never feel anything so she never fe- she never is that sad again in her life which is a very kind of a leftovers point of view and the wolf wants to go out and kill everything mm-hmm. because you know if he can't be part of the solution then he's going to be part of the problem which he sees as the solution those are comp- those are this those are the same outlooks on life dealing the same facts but they have different results of the action and and morgan is a third path where he just can't kill anybody 
It's all it's so it's like is Morgan a wolf? No, no, no. The, the reason I thought that were was way before any of this shit was espoused. No, right? I get like, it. I, there were there were clues that maybe could have been clues, maybe not. I feel were, like the reason, well, yeah. So there, she read a wolf comic book, which I think is a foreshadowing of the wolves, and she said that she had some nebulous. Line. They, yeah, didn't see this, you know, or what they didn't know, or they weren't watching, or whatever. And I, I feel like that that's, but no, I feel like. I understand exactly why Enid's doing the things she's doing, and I understand exactly why the wolf's doing the things he's doing. She's JSSing. And also, I, I understand as well as I understand Morgan in one-tenth of the screen time. Okay. Like, you don't, right? Yeah. Like, the wolf has had 15 minutes of screen time to espouse and to, to demonstrate his worldview. Enid's had about the same. Morgan's had, what, three hours mm. at this point? That's crazy. That's crazy. I feel like Morgan has I, – I don't know. That conversation he has with Rick went a long way toward improving that storyline for me. But then they because, went and shit on it by having him do this Titanic – You know, that's not the actions of a man who's unsure. Sure. So I guess well, he's lying to Rick in that conversation? You can be unsure and still taking actions. I mean it's not yeah. like you're positive that it's the right thing to do. You're just positive that's what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. But like – I don't know. I softened on Morgan once he had an actual conversation and expressed a fairly nuanced point of view, even if, like, I don't agree with the result of it and I don't think he's doing the right thing. Uh, he's he's telling me that he's not sure of it either, and I, I respect that in a certain way. Yeah, I just... Like, you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm not sure of it, but whatever. Yeah. No, I... Yeah, but that even then, that's still ignoring... How I feel as an audience member, seeing Morgan taking these selfish risks with uh, innocent men, women, oh, and children. Sure. You know, it's like fine, you believe this. So, like, I feel like that. Um, it's interesting. So, if I was doing a morality alignment, Dungeons and Dragons style, Morgan would be the neutral, and then the wolf would be the evil form, and then Enid would be the good form of this worldview. Or no, I'm uh, sorry, sorry. Enid's the ne- neutral, and Morgan's the good. Morgan won't kill anybody, regardless of the reason. The wolf will kill everybody for no reason, and Enid just wants to be alone. So when people die and stuff, she's not affected by it mm-hmm. either way. She's not going to kill anybody, and she's not going to, uh, except for turtles, and she's not going to not kill yeah, anybody. She's going to peace out. Yeah. JSS. All right. Uh, moved on to. Ryan M says, I liked what you said about how the sequencing of this ep- of the episode, specifically waiting to explain the Glenn storyline, led it to be a weaker season. I at first agreed, but then I thought if we saw Glenn roll under the dumpster at the end of the episode, then took the three episode break to figure out how he got out, we would be super disappointed in the beginning when we revisited, revisited him and basically just waited it out. Seems more anticlimactic. That's the problem. Don't silo this shit up. Just stream it all together so you don't have to wait three episodes to see what happened to Glenn. This is all happening in real time. It just happened herky-jerky Pulp Fiction style. But there's not a strong strong enough character and not a strong enough narrative point of view to hold our interest of that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I agree. And, like, that's the thing. Like, the points of view hold together for Pulp Fiction are interesting because they're also radically different. In tone and feel and kind of coolness and action, uh, but yet they all kind of come together at the end in a satisfying way. Where The Walking Dead is telling the same goddamn story four different times simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. I don't enjoy that part of it. 
Uh, Kyle Y says, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast and coverage of The Walking Dead the last few seasons. Thank you. I only wish my enjoyment would carry over towards season six and the mid-season finale. What a major letdown. This mid-season finale demonstrates how the showrunners have really dropped the ball. My wife and I both decided to skip the rest of this season. We'll wait until it comes out on Netflix to catch up because at least we can fast forward through any future Morgan episodes. Uh, I do have one question. Has either of you tried or heard about the StorySync app they keep advertising? Is this app intended to make better sense of the fragmented story and timeline? First of all, I have looked at it, and I've seen the kind of information they put up. Uh, it is meant more as like a, here's an interesting factoid, almost like a commentary. And yeah, like, here's how this ties into previous episodes. Yeah. Not like, here's what you should be knowing about this right now in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's more just like historical stuff and facts about like weapons and uh, d- just different stuff. Um, that's interesting little factoids. I think that's why Walking Dead is becoming a binge show, and I feel like that's why I'm annoyed when Gimple's like, oh, well, you know, uh, this is a Netflix generation. It's like, well, fuck you. You're still broadcasting this a week at a time. Yeah. It would be, if I was a film student or, or like trying to study editing, it'd be super interesting to take this season and cut it together <laughs> in a chronological compelling order because there's not, I, you know, some of this material is good, and it's it's the artificial pacing problems that they're introducing that it's further weakening the material. I, I, none of it's great. Yeah, and a lot of it is bad. <laughs> but but the, you know what I'm saying? Like if yeah, you, yeah. if you cut this apart, scene by scene, and take that take that Daryl and and Abraham stuff, and you intersperse that with the stuff that's going on in Alexandria and the stuff that's going on with, and again you take the Morgan and maybe. Just like I said this with the uh, the Governor three-episode plot lines. What if you take the Morgan episode and you made it a cold open for each episode that leads up to the the kind of Jack versus Locke showdown between Carol and him at the end? Mm-hmm. I think that would be super interesting. Or if the season just opened up with this is how Morgan got to be the way it, it, they, they were. I, I just, you know. Yeah, maybe. I feel like a lot of this was the 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 avant garde way he was trying to tell the story, and it just fell flat. Yeah. Uh, B, we shouldn't need a fucking app to tell us the rest of the story. Yeah, this is the Talking Dead <laughs> syndrome, right? Exactly. Like, if you have to have a second screen experience to tell me what's happening on the first fucking screen, you've already lost. Yeah. And, you so, know, like I said, it's the Talking Dead. Like, uh. I saw, speaking of the Talking Dead, Steve W. sent in a, an email. Not sure if you've seen this, but you've probably gotten it from others by now. Have you seen the Jimmy Kimmel show that Chris Hardwick did? So he came on Jimmy Kimmel's show, and he did a spot where in the middle of Jimmy Kimmel's monologue, he busted it in with his own, like, middle uh, show, uh. exactly like the Talking Dead, like he would in the commercials. Awesome. Be like. And, and he, they went on for like four or five minutes on it, and it was just perfect. And it shows you that at least Chris Hardwick is a little bit self-aware. No, I think Chris Hardwick is probably a cool dude. That's the thing. We shares blow a lot of the shit, same but... frustrations that we do with some of this yeah. stuff. And is in no position to comment about it. Yeah. Because like, it's I was, his fucking job. If right? I was getting paid <laughs> to host this show, I would do it in a different way. Because like, I am, above all... I am a professional. Like, you can't tell because my professional job in bald moves is to be a jackass. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. But, like, if you've worked with me in any kind of real career, like, that's probably, like, I am, I, I emphasize being a professional. So, like, if this was my job, I would do it 
you know, like I'm taking the paycheck. I do the job I'm being paid to do. Sure. So like, I don't really have like, and it'd be like, I, it'd be funny if I like meet this guy five years, 10 years down the line to kind of swap notes about our walking dead experiences. But yeah. no, I don't, I don't blame him, but it's like, you know, that's other things like the talking dead. Uh, that was a, fa- that was the first fan podcast by our, bu- our buddies, Jason and Chris. And The Walking Dead, like, I, I hear about how fucking fan-friendly this show is. They just go and jack their name. Sure. Because yeah. they can. Uh-huh. And, like, maybe Chris and Jason has a net positive because that probably gets them. I know for a fact it got them a lot of mistake. You know, a lot of yeah. people stay around and, like, oh, this is better than The Real Talk Dead. But that's just a jackass move, man. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we've done that. We've gone searching for podcast names before and gone, oop. That's already taken. We yes. can't use it. So yeah, that's why. If 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 some of our if some of our podcasts have boring ass names, it's that's exact. That's how we ended up with the Game of Thrones podcast. We had a really yeah. good name. We had to stop that and cease it. And now there's 47 podcasts. You just can't jack someone's name, man. Sure. Like it's, that's it's like that's symptomatic of the laziness. Like these guys can't do a Google search, or they've done the Google search. Like, well, it's just a fan podcast. No one's going to stop us from doing this. Like, sure. we'll cease and desist them if they complain. Fuck you guys. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on. Kim in San Diego has some good, bad, and ugly here. The good, Carl. I agree that he remains the most consistent and compelling character on the show. It's telling that the good is the shortest section of this email. Uh, that's all the good she's got. No, Rick and Carl <laughs> uh, still maintain the the good core of this show, and Carl is now weirdly the strongest character. Yeah, and I kind of like the way he's dealing with Ron. Like, it shows a little of a little initiative. Like, and I'm thinking, like, if you knew that's what you're going to do with Carl, why do you give Glenn the fucking dickless plot that just cuts the legs out from under? Because it's the same goddamn thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's similar. Ah, I don't know. Let's go on to the bad, because I'm sure you'll have plenty to complain about. Uh, too many characters to develop successfully. In addition to Glenn, I'm ready for at least three of the following characters to be gone. Eugene, Sasha, Abraham, Rosita, Maggie, Father Gabriel, or Tara. Yeah, yeah. I could do without three of them. Why not? They're all background noise that takes story and development time away from compelling characters. Uh, and the ugly. The Walking Dead is in desperate need of a script editor with the authority to call BS before the shooting begins. I would say they would call bullshit. Mm -hmm. Can I believe in a miraculous headshot from a moving vehicle at moving targets? Uh, Sure. I can also believe in a baby remaining quiet with her head covered uh, with a smelly tarp and that zombies exist. But I don't buy that the sadist wolf would spill no blood when he has six people at his mercy. That's a good point. Yeah. And also, you can't have a character hanging off a wall that's making headshots from 30 yards, and then the next episode, you can't have her taking a shot with a known killer and letting him be armed. Like, it's just stupid. It's stupid. That would be a stu- That would be stupid for Jack Bauer to do with FBI backup. <laughs> the fact that they're doing yeah. it, and it's just dumb. And yeah, I would say another thing. Is like, I don't not like any of those characters, but... They've introduced three or four new characters in this season. You got, what, Heath? You got Denise? Sure. You got Spencer, which I know he's not exactly new, but he's looked like he's primed to take a bigger role. You got Morgan. And Ron, Who's come back. You got Ron. You got Jesse. They, like, what is Eugene doing now? Like, Eugene is, is, despite a lot of screen time, is making zero characters. So I'm, I'm, as much as I like Eugene and I see him as good comic relief, when he's done well, some of these characters need to die to make room for the new ones. 
Yeah. I mean, it's that problem with the massive cast we talked about. Right. Uh, and the verdict, which I think we will both probably disagree with. I still love the show. There are a few television programs that I consider better, but none of them are more engaging. I still lose track of time when I watch The Walking Dead. I can't wait for February 14th. That's the, I can't agree with that because I, yeah. <laughs> I'm acutely aware of the passage of time when I'm watching The Walking Dead. And when I'm watching Leftovers, I lose all sense of time. And not, you know, not, it's not all episodes. Like, I quite enjoyed, I, I know, like, the first two episodes, I didn't have that problem. Like they I lost track of time in the finale, frankly. Not in a but, good way, But I though. thought they were going to do more with it is the problem. Like, I looked down right. and there's two minutes left and I'm like, oh, they haven't really done anything here. Right. <laughs> Shit. Right. So, yeah, I don't... It's not engaging. I'm with you. I, I agree. But, you know, she has different opinions. Uh, Scott V. Why do you guys think that the characters resist taking out walkers that are easy targets? I mean, we've talked about this, you know, at length, I think. Um, he he makes some points that I guess we maybe have or haven't made. He says, aren't you helping out someone with every walker you take out? Maybe even yourself? Uh but also, as a society, wouldn't the norm just become clear walkers when it is relatively safe? I think, yeah, that's kind of the point we've Especially been going on Especially in your home territory. About. Like, I, I own 10 acres, and yeah. I see a patch of poison ivy. I don't be like, uh, I'll just avoid it. Like, I'm going to destroy that patch of poison ivy. Because you know it's probably going to be a problem later yeah, on. Yeah, because I might itch. I might get itchy later if I'm not paying attention. <laughs> uh. It's a whole other story when you got something that could bite you and kill you mm-hmm. or someone you love now, i've never yeah. ever that's like that's one of my zombie survival 101 things i used to rail about if you have a chance to kill a zombie without expending a bullet mm-hmm. do it and if you have a chance to kill someone before they become a zombie but are inevitably going to do it oh all the stuff like i that's inexplicable to me yeah the many times survivors watched a person getting torn apart <laughs> and did nothing to stop it <laughs> It's shocking. Like those are horrible people. Yeah, they're the worst. Yeah, those are those. That's something. That's not a group I would want to be around. Well, that's something honestly. that they've the show has trained me to associate with people like the governor. Okay, the governor would uh-huh. do shit like that. Yeah, but our heroes don't. They shouldn't. They do, but they Merle shouldn't. would do something like that. Okay, but mm-hmm. Merle's a shitbag. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Nick M. Says, so for the first time in a while, they failed to excite me enough to count down the days until the show returns. I will be tuning in for the sole purpose of, purpose of listening to you two tear the show apart. For weeks now, I've been refreshing my phone until the Instacast come out to agree with all the points you make. And the Talking Dead, why does this dude still say spoilers even though he comes on an hour after the episode? I think we've talked at length about that. Yeah. Uh, he says, is every guest slash cast member so full of themselves that they truly think they're doing a good job? If not, they sure make a better effort to act like they're making quality TV than the effort they put into acting in the show. Now, I take issue with that. I think the acting has been fine to good um, for... Actually, it's been fine to great. Most of these characters being, the main fine, casts. being get, fine to good you, you and out, several of them being great. You get some of the guest stars, you know, notable exceptions, of course. You know, we had Twisty the Clown come in, do an awesome job sure. with, uh, uh, with Morgan... Um, but yeah, some of the dawns from Slaptown and, uh, it gets a little hairier along, along the edges, but yeah, the main cast I think is mostly excellent. Yeah. They're playing the characters they need to play. Um, 
I I do I mean, think look at that Deanna in the final episode. Like again, yeah. If I gave a shit about Deanna, that would be some moving, gripping stuff and mm-hmm. showing a more character than she has as this. I mean, she's played kind of like a. What did like the guy in the final season of uh, Twenty Four that we covered? We called him President Grandpa because uh-huh. he always had a, a kind of vacant smile on his face and wearing the Andy Griffith as a Matlock suit. And yeah, to be fair, he had Alzheimer's. So. <laughs> that also, Grant, you know, so he's, and my he's grandpa died it. of Alzheimer's. So come at me. I, I I I can make that joke. Uh, he's he's Deanna, playing it right. Deanna felt like Congressman Grandma. She's just kind of got that glassy smile yeah. and like you're they're your people, Rick. And that's not the way we do things here. And you know, I gotta know if I can trust you. And it's, yeah. But then yeah. she, then they get give her some fire in her belly in the last episode. I'm like, where the fuck has this Deanna been? Mm-hmm. Deanna's been vacant, glassy smile, uh, catatonic, or and that's that's kind of been her emotional range. Yeah, yeah. I think they they did a lot to fix her at the very end. But that's what they do on this show. They kind of don't give you a reason to care until they do, and then they kill him. Uh, but the other thing is, like, yeah, I think everybody thinks they're doing fantastic work here, based on everything I hear. You know, we we hear from the actors saying, "Oh, this is the best season yet," every single time. I do believe they have a lot of fun, and I do believe that they sure. are. Uh, and that shades an actor's opinion. You know, sure. it's got to. And they love they they genuinely it seems like a, a good set and they like working with the the writers and directors and they think that what Scott Gimple's doing is awesome and they go on these every time they go and do a big uh, you know fan tour everyone shows up and loves them so yeah that why not doesn't help <laughs> why not and I don't like you know like I I would I would be upset if I heard that Norman Reedus or Andrew Lincoln listened to this podcast and thought you know like really were bummed out about it because I don't. I don't feel like, you know, maybe the problem is this isn't show just isn't for me. Well, I mean, we're criticizing not th- directly the work that they do on this show, but the work they're a part of. And I think they would take offense to that. Um, I, I think that's a natural reaction. Yeah, that's true. But my criticisms don't lie with the actors in this show for the most part. Uh, I, I think my criticism lies largely in the the writing and directing i don't get though i don't understand why they're carrying because yeah i can understand if they're like oh yes i like i like working with norman reedus and i'm you know uh melissa mcbride and i i like these these actors and they do great performances and all that stuff i don't understand why like the norman reedus's of the world and andrew lincoln's continually say like oh that's scott gimple Man, just everything he puts on the page is just sparkling, and he like spends so much time thinking about it and all that stuff. Like, maybe he does, and it just it's it's. I'm back to my old. Well, maybe they're just not experienced enough to pull it off. And as an actor, you won't know that, right? Like, as, when you get on, like not. I feel like that must be a real high wire act when you're an actor. Like sometimes when you're in the middle of the production, it feels like it's a disaster, and you know it. But I yep. bet there's a lot of times where you feel like, wow, I'm really nailing these scenes and I really connect the motion to this material. And by the time it gets through editing and special effects and music and post-production and all that, it's like, oh, shit, this didn't work. And then what do you do? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's the same problem that Chris Hardwick has, right? Where does he get in his paycheck? Mm. His paycheck is coming from the people who tell him to say great things about this show because that's what he's paid to do. Yeah. So I, and they're I don't actors. Know. They're at, you also never forget these people are actors. Yeah. They can cry yeah. on demand and laugh on demand and 
so it's not hard for them to say stuff like this is the greatest you know if andrew lincoln de- yeah. can deliver with a, a straight face a 30th iteration of you don't know what it's like out there uh, then he can surely say scott gimple is a genius writer especially when he doesn't have to put on time. an accent right yeah right <laughs> makes it a little easier yeah uh final email andrew t says walking dead is like a hostess cupcake from a distance it looks great has everything I should enjoy in it. Drama, gluten, frosting, zombies, horror, mullets. I consume them hoping for something great and ultimately end up disappointed. After, uh, here's a leftovers reference I don't know that many people are going to get. After wanting to check into Virgil's hotel for live watching The Walking Dead rather than The Leftovers, it's finally occurred to me that uh, what I dislike about the show. The writers consistently take the lazy way out. Uh, Rather than making the antagonist better, they always make the heroes worse. They don't create a scenario where the wolf mind bones Morgan into letting him go and becoming a threat. Rather, they make Morgan dumb. Carol weak, Rosita, Tara, and Eugene incompetent. A single zombie shouldn't be able to get the better of Morgan and an Aikido master. But let's just have the hero offer up his muffin top. A horde of slow-moving zombies coming from a single direction isn't a real threat, so let's have everyone fall down. Daryl, Abraham, and Sasha are in a heavily armored car with assault rifles and rocket launchers. How can a bunch of guys on motorcycles be a threat? Well, let's just have them stop, get out, and ready to be disarmed. The heroes are consistently made to look like fools rather than make the villains more conniving, craftier, and more dangerous. Yeah, I I think that's a point well hit there. Um, I never feel like people are doing the things that I expect them to do. Yeah, They're reacting in ways that make absolutely no sense to me, given who they are and, and the scenario put before them. Well, that's cool. You know, like if the if the wolf had, as soon as they put the, the guns down, picked up the gun and shot them all, uh huh, that would have been really interesting and perfectly within his character. And then it's like a real tragedy that, like, you know, there's consequences that that this battle between Carol and and uh, uh, Morgan have. Yeah. Uh, and you know, from Rick's perspective, he might never get the answers of what actually happened. That's kind of interesting, but. You got to have the guts to kill like five main characters. There's that, yeah. Uh, but if you don't, then don't engineer that situation. Yeah, yeah. Engineer situations that people are going to act like themselves in. Yeah, and it's like weird because I feel like that doesn't happen a lot in the comic books. Like Kirkman, when he puts characters in a situation where naturally they would be, they would die, he fucking kills them. Yeah. And they don't do that in the show, and partly because there's all this this weird stalling tactics and hopping on one foot to the next. But yeah, he says, anyways, happy holidays. Hope Santa gets you both the sheiks you deserve, <laughs> which is a reference Walking Dead fans will get. Hey, speaking of happy holidays, I know this has been a bummer if you've listened to this, and I it's it's no I gotta say it's no fun to record this kind of podcast. Sure, but on the other hand, I I'll, we also Jim and I swore that we would never sugarcoat stuff just because to make yeah. it not a bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are doing something kind of cool. We're doing a twenty five days of Bald Move Christmas where we decided to hang our Bald Move Studio tree with fifty bottles, airline bottle sizes of booze. Yep. Uh, and there's t- there's there's two bottles of twenty five distinct types of liquor, and every morning. We come into the studio, we do a, like, you know, we, we open up some fan mail, we show some really cool stuff, we pull one of these bottles of drink uh, liquor down, we drink it, we sing this 25-verse song, The 25 <laughs> Days of Bald Move Christmas, 
There's a new video every day. On Fridays, since we don't record on the weekends, we drink three bottles. <laughs> back to back to back. Back to back to back. And then we oh. jump on to do lunch with Jim and Aaron. And right people afterward. are saying it's a, t- it's, a, it's, it's a lot of fun. We're having a lot of fun. Maybe it's worth a buck a month. If you want it, it's a premium feature. you got to go to club.baldmove.com and sign up. Mm-hmm. Hell, after Christmas is over, you can, you, can, you, can, you can just sign up for the month or, uh, you know, 12 bucks for the year. And you get ad-free feeds and all the premium features that we do. Uh, which you can find all that about on club.baldmove.com. But I just wanted you to know that if you're uh, wanting a little extra bald move and you want to see us uh, in a stress-free, more drunken environment, then maybe it's it's worth a buck or two to kick in for the club to, to see that. All right, we've got a little bit of a spoiler section to do, right? Yes. Okay, so if you're into spoilers, stick around after the music. If not... Uh, I, I mean, you can contact us. We're probably not going to be back on Walking Dead until February. February. So you the... can contact us at watchingdeadatbaldmove.com or, you know, Twitter or Facebook or anything. But that. yeah, a week, week before the season goes live, come on back and we'll talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. After and we'll, the dust is settled. Hopefully there'll be some trailers, some teasers. Yeah, something we can talk about and hopefully be excited about going into the new season. Uh, but yeah, if you want spoilers, stick around after the music. And if not, we'll see you in February. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. And we're back with the spoiler section. Uh, I got a couple of emails. Do you have anything you want to talk about before we get to those? Okay. Or maybe afterwards. So you so know, by, by the time you've heard me talk about this enough, Glenn, uh, the introduction it's of Neg... beat to death with Lucille. Yeah, yeah. So, so Rick's triumph over these adversities in Alexandria in the comics builds a false sense of confidence. So like, I've handled the governor. I've handled the Terminus folks, the, the hunters in the comics. I've handled these wolves... Uh, I've handled this zombie herd. Negan is another bunch of soft people that think that they're going. That people are going to kowtow to them, and and he decides to roll tough against them. And as a result, Glenn gets you know Negan, who's a formidable person of his his own, and has many, 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 many men loyal to him. Uh-huh. Rolls in there, emasculates Rick, and bashes Glenn's head in. That'll do it. <laughs> After they did this hot foot with Glenn's death, mm-hmm. can they kill? Can they do that with Glenn? Because I feel like this is kind of my evidence. I, I feel like that um, even more stronger that it's going to be someone besides Glenn that gets beat to death. It's going to be a Morgan. It's going to be a Daryl. It's going to be someone that the audience cares about, but it can't be Glenn because they just did this shit with him. And they've expended all that emotional energy can they really beat Glenn's brains out at the end of this upcoming half season and have people feel genuine feelings about it? Before I give you my answer, let me read Ryan from Florida's email. Okay. Because it deals directly with this. Uh, He says, it's Ryan from Florida. Thank you, Ryan from Florida. (laughs) I've got a spoiler prediction for the second half of season six. Negan now has Abraham, Daryl, and Sasha prisoner. At least I hope. Why would he take their stuff and let them go without interrogating them? This is how he finds out about Alexandria. He then takes them back to Alexandria, which has just cleaned out its zombie infestation. 
Out front of the gate, he plays Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe with Lucille, ultimately landing on Daryl instead of one of the other two. Why Daryl, you ask? It has to be a beloved character in order to make us all passionately hate Negan, and all of those are protected. Glenn is safe due to his horribly written brush with death. Maggie is pregnant. Michonne will presumably be in the armory, and it can't be Rick or Carl because there is no story without them. Sure, it could be Abraham or Sasha, but I don't think it will generate the same outrage. Also, maybe that explains why Daryl never gets his crossbow back from Dwight. I'd love to hear your opinions. So, well, my problem with that is that it that they can't if they tell it that way, I'll be outraged because the real tension in this story is the fact that this is the first time that Rick kind of fucks up. Yeah, he his his strategy uh, causes the Alexandrians and himself to experience real pain. Mm-hmm. And so if Negan, oh god, I still can't get used to saying Negan. <laughs> if Negan rolls up. Yeah, uh, to Alexandria for and meets him for the first time because that's the other thing. The comics at the Alexandrians understand Negan, and that's just the cost that they. I hate. They're like the grasshopper. They're like the ants and the grasshopper and ants parable. It's like, well, we have to forge twice as hard so we can give this maniac money so he will leave us al- or a tribute so he'll leave us alone. Uh-huh. And Rick saying, "Get on before you get spit on." To one of Negan's flunkies is what brings Negan back with Lucille. If he just okay. rolls up after capturing these people and kills them, it's going to completely neuter that part of the plot line. So I feel like that they're going to bring these people back yeah. and Rick's going to and they're going to be like, you know, uh, we want tribute from you or we'll give your men back. And Rick is going to be like, uh, I've got a better offer and kill every one of them but one and send him back to ne- Negan and say, hey, you tell your boss that he can go fuck himself. Yeah. And that's what's going to trigger the thing. You're if right, they don't no... do some version of that, then mm-hmm. what the fuck, Kirkman? Yeah. Like, that would be the I, I'm worst remix, it would just show him, remix of all. It would just show him being crazy, like psychotic, rather than having a purpose in the things he does, right? Yes. Like, to just bring them there and kill them and say, here we are, seems silly. I'm with you. Uh... I, I guess I don't know that I buy totally that Glenn has a shield considering how tone deaf they were with the Glenn stuff in the first place. I don't know that they understand that the fan reaction would not be positive if they threaten or kill Glenn g- going forward. Well, so where for at stand- least a while. So I know that Gimple says and they, and they have all said like, oh, yeah, the audience reaction to Glenn was positive. But Bullshit. the damage control they did in the weeks after that belies that. Like, I sure. feel like the, yeah. that penetrated the shield. Oh, maybe so. Maybe so. That, that, so... I just... Now, will that, will that moderate the behavior? Fuck, I don't know, but... Exactly. It's tough for me to believe that anything is going to get them to say, you know what, we need to we need to reevaluate what we're doing here, because... I mean, there is juice to squeeze there. Like, Glenn is, you know, Maggie's in a family way, and I still kind of sort of care about their relationship. Um, I know that's the trouble. And, and if with he it. if that happens right in front of Maggie's eyes, and you know, she does the Beth reaction, know, which would be earned in the moment, and everyone <laughs> uh-huh. just horrified, and Glenn just gets graphically beat to death. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't feel nothing, but doing this fake out death would definitely, you know, like I've I'm an I'm an emotional sponge. You can only wring so much out of me. Yeah. Before I need to soak in the bucket and get those tears back. Uh, yeah. You know. They need to soak Glenn for a while. I, sure. don't, I don't think that they can do this without any backlash. Okay. Uh, so I don't think I, so either. And, I mean, I don't know that they can't kill Maggie because she's pregnant. That, that like, they, 
They killed Lori be- when she was pregnant, although... They, they spared Judith. They did spare Judith, yeah. Which and I still they can't, can't do that out. with Maggie at this point. I don't know why Kirkman decided keeping a newborn around this cast is a great idea. Because maybe... I don't know. And at the pace of telling know, the story, man. they're going to have to recast her like a million times. That's true, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't maybe know. Maybe she'll I'm... be a five-year-old in diapers, and we'll just be expected to believe that, you know... Yeah. I guess I don't think... That a lot of these characters have shields that are as strong as Ryan's trying to say here. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what they do. And I think also killing Abraham, they could do that because uh, they, they could they could kill Abraham off and it would be medium impactful. Well, I mean, that's his point, right? It's not as impactful. It's like a Glenn or Maggie or something or no. Daryl. I mean, you have to kill you have to kill a season one, season two person, yeah, to have maximum impact. So that's a dead. That's and I agree. Carl and Rick off the table. Sure. So that leaves Glenn, Maggie, Daryl. All right. Carol. Car- Carol too. Carol's yeah. actually right for the plucking. She kind of is. I yeah. don't. You know, we talked about this like a last season, and I thought that you know she, would, but they she really hasn't changed. I guess no, she's still kind of slowly descending in the clear Morgan era. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess there's still some interesting things, but I don't know where heroically she can go from here. Uh, so maybe killing her off. And she's like one of the last of the Darabont crew, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. And it seemed like that they were, maybe she just really drank the Kool-Aid and got on board with it. But it seemed like there was a concerted effort to el- to purge all the Darabonites uh, yeah. for a good season. Or, or maybe that was a Mazera axe to grind, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, and he couldn't. He just couldn't kill them all in one yeah. or two seasons. But no, so, so really, if you, if they want to go maximum real audience shock impact, you got you got uh, you got Judith, which that would be <laughs> just beating a baby to death with a bat is it'd be horrific. I don't know that you can even do that. <laughs> well, especially since they put her in danger so much that like well, the, there's that. Too, I, yeah. If he was doing that the whole time, it'd be like, well, what's going to happen to stop it? That's pretty fucking dark, right? Like beating a baby to death. There's nothing good about that, right? For uh, anyone. So, but but I mean, so so yeah. But but we're talking about Carol, Daryl, Glenn, and Maggie. Yeah, that's not. I didn't. Man, the choices are a few. Yeah. All right. Rachel from Michigan says in the comics, Negan Negan captures Abraham's girlfriend Holly. He thinks he has captured Rick's girlfriend Andrea because they both have blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking, since they are pairing off Abraham and Sasha, what if Negan captures Sasha and he thinks it's Michonne after she and Rick start dating soon, since that will obviously happen, I hope. What do you think? Huh. They haven't shown me any sign that Rick and Michonne are going to get together. No, it's but... It's still Rick and Jesse. But there is I, that cultural, you know, fan knowledge, the fan culture that has seen their chemistry... Oh sure, yeah. Like her open up the Rick and kind of vice versa, and I feel like that everyone would buy it if they wanted to for them to get together. Definitely. And also, I think I think so. If this goes down like the comic, uh, this this little horseshit cliffhanger we got here, Mm -hmm. Jesse and her entire family dies. Okay. Uh, I feel like Ron is going to be the one that shoots Carl in the face, Mm -hmm. and there's going to be some interesting things going on that, but. The, Jesse's going to be swept to the side. Like there's, they're, they're okay. already setting it up. Like uh, Sam is going to balk. She's not going to let go of Sam. She's yeah. going to get pulled into the zombie crowd, and Rick will have to do what he has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I don't think Jesse's going to make it out of like the f- next episode or two. 
Okay. And then it's perfectly natural. I agree for Rick and Michonne to hook up. I sure. think that's awesome. So yeah, I I could totally see that happening. That would you know, be they don't have they Andrea do, around. They do. They they kidnap Sasha instead of Michonne, thinking that that's yeah. Uh, you know, his, and now that we know girl. they're they're pushing for that, or at least Abraham is pushing for that. Sasha's a little resistant, but they they want to hook them up. So mm. yeah, that's really true. But you know, on the other hand, by that point in the story, Abraham's dead too. Okay. So <laughs> well, I but don't I, know I, what to I do don't then. mind. I I was I was shocked. I felt like. I felt like when Kirkman killed off Abraham, he was going to the Tyrese well. Hmm, okay. Like, just a shocking, pointless death of a main character just to remind you that he can do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't mind seeing Abraham stick around. And it's right. certainly, if you're going you know, to yeah. have him make off with Sasha, um, or, you know, if they want to gender flip it, and uh, he, <laughs> Negan takes... <laughs> takes, oh, takes uh, he, he takes... Uh, he takes... Uh, 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 Abraham, because he sees his big badass in the field and assumes all oh, this has got to be the fearless leader of Alexander we've all heard about. Oh, that I was going to say, like, uh, oh, yeah, it's some dude with ridiculous hair and and <laughs> he, and he's a real fool, and they take Eugene thinking it's Abraham. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so much ridiculous hair. That could be Carl. That could be Eugene. That could be Daryl. That could be that's true. Abraham. Like, uh-huh. how do you want to define ridiculous hair? Well, that's what I mean, right? It's a little it's ambiguous. It's pre-haircut but... and shave Rick. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, no, that's that's a strong theory. I like that. Gender flip. And I can kind of sure. see well not to no to gender flip, I don't think they're gonna do that. Okay. But uh doing the old girlfriend switcheroo yeah. is the is is a fairly decent idea for a remix for with what you've got going on. Yeah. You don't have multiple blondes ready to be sacrificed. Sure. So what are you gonna do? Uh that's all the emails I have. Do you have anything else you wanna talk about? No, that's it. Other than like, you know, like Man, I just feel like I always get in trouble thinking about how this show can pull off the comic books. Nope, don't do it, man. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm kind don't of don't get excited, excited about because of, of what you hope is coming up, and like you know. And so I'm, I'm uh, again. I thought about reading the comic line in the off season oh, and, yeah, I, yeah. and catch up to the point where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to maybe at the end of next season or at the end of this this upcoming half season, I might read up to the point to see kind of like and give a. How things worked in the comics versus how things worked in the television show. Um, uh, kind of like how I do the Game of Thrones sometimes. Give that a try. But, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's going to do the show any favors. I'm really glad I didn't go back and refresh my memory because, yeah. Yeah. All right. The well, fact that there's so much cool story ahead and we're just dragging our feet and dribbling out the story a little <laughs> bit at a time, it would be even more frustrating. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to go read them. It's not my thing. So, uh yeah i guess uh for everybody who's stuck around we'll be back in a couple months see how the shit show ends the shit show of a season six <laughs> finally wraps up but uh yeah we'll see you guys then all right bye